the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. Now, here's Sue Freeze. Thank you so much for joining the Sue Freeze Show today, and I'm just so blessed, so honored, just so humbled to be with you today. When I woke up this morning, I went to bed actually last night and I was praying and I asked the Lord, you know, what am I going to talk about on the radio? Because I took a little time off and a little means a week. And I took a week off because my daughter, who was in here recently, and we did a radio show and you can look back on the podcast and you can listen to the show. My daughter had a little baby girl. Her name uh, now she's revealed is Montana Jade. And she was eight pounds, three ounces uh, 20 pounds, 20 and a quarter uh, length, 8.3 pounds, 20 and a quarter in length. And what a darling little girl, I just must say, as a grandmother. And um, the real blessing in this whole thing was is that um, I, I told my daughter and my son in love, I said, the minute you start having contractions, I want you to text me. And no matter where I am, I'll drop everything and I'll drive and, and meet you at the hospital. And so I did that, and uh, I got the the text at about 11 o'clock p.m., and she delivered the next day at 10. And uh, I kept thinking I was going to get the boot out of that delivery room because my daughter made it very clear. She wanted this to be very, very um, personal and between her and her husband. And I definitely appreciated that and honored that. And kept waiting to get the boot, and I didn't get the boot ever. I was there the whole time. I watched the whole entire thing. And because the midwife was not there, I was the only one in the room that kind of had experienced this before. So based on my experience, I kind of helped helped the whole procedure along. She did it completely natural. She was in a lot of pain, and it was very painful for her husband, Mark, to uh, experience his loved one my daughter, to be in so much pain and him not to be able to do a thing about it. Uh, He was so good. He would feed her little ice cubes and he would hold her hand and then let her go when she didn't want to be touched and she'd get hot then she'd get cold and he'd put on and take off. And it was just an amazing, amazing time. And then when it got down to the real tough time, you know, the finish line, uh, when Tiana had to change her breathing and and breathe differently, um, Mark was right along, breathing right alongside her and me. Uh, to help Tiana along in the in the process, so it was an amazing, amazing time, and I'm just gleaming, I'm glowing like like I was the mom. But uh, it's just so wonderful, and and to be able to spend that special time, and I've taken a couple weeks off to just be with with uh, my daughter to help her heal, and to uh, bond with the the granddaughter, and it's just been. Such a blessing, such a blessing. And you hear people say that about grandparenting and how wonderful it is. And until you've experienced it, you just don't know. It's kind of like motherhood. You just don't know and you can't explain the love you feel until you are one. 
It just, there's just nothing like it. So when I was um, praying last night and then I woke up this morning, I stayed in bed for a little while because I didn't want my feet to hit the floor before I had just kind of calmed down and, and uh, got right with the Lord. And the, the word that came to mind was unity. Unity. And the Pledge of Allegiance came to mind. So I want to start with the Pledge of Allegiance because I just want to read it because I want you guys to, to hear what it says. Okay? It says, I pledge allegiance. You can say it along with me because everybody knows this, right? Put your hand over your heart and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. It's pretty amazing. I, I looked up, I Googled it, and I got this four-page, the man who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance, the schoolroom staple, didn't originally include under God, even though it was created by an ordained minister. I'm not going to uh, read this whole article, but it is very interesting, and if you'd like to do the search, you know where to find it. Just go Google it, and um, you'll find out what it says there. But what came to mind in my mind after the Pledge of Allegiance was united we stand. And then right after that, in my mind, the thought process that came is divided we fall. And we are in the most divided state, the most divided country right now. In I've never in all my years ever seen such a difference in Republican Democrat in in this is the way it should go. This is the way it should go. And so much harshness, so much anger and and divisiveness. And I'm just I'm just wondering, I'm wondering where this is all going to go. But I'm thankful I'm a Christian and I'm thankful that I can pray and that I can put my heart, my faith, my hope in my heavenly father. And hopefully those that are listening right now have that same trust and that same faith. Because if you look on the outside and you look at this world right now, it's, it's really kind of dark. But there's a lot of light that's shining too. Just like me being a grandma and uh, bringing a, a brand new baby girl into this world and wondering what kind of world this baby girl is going to experience. In a way, I'm concerned because I'm just wondering what the world's going to be like for this baby granddaughter of mine. And as parents, don't we wonder and, and concern ourselves with the future and, and what the future holds for our loved ones. I also, when I got to the office this morning, because I haven't been into the office for a week taking care of the baby, um, I couldn't see my desk because I had all this mail that I had to go through. And what was on my computer screen was this, Romans eight thirty eight thirty nine. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whew, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Romans eight thirty eight. So unity. I had my assistant, Lydia, just love that girl. I had her look up Bible Gateway to the word united, unity, united. And it came up 12 times. Now, there's some things that come up a whole lot more than that, but it came up 12 times. So I'm going to read those to you right now, just so that you can understand what the Bible is saying about it. Romans 6, 5 says, for 
if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Genesis, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Judges 20.11, so all the Israelites got together and united as one against the city. United as one against the city. Daniel 2.43, and just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Matthew 19.5, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So that's in there two times, once in Genesis and once in Matthew. Mark, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Boy, that's being said a lot. There must be something to that. I have some friends that are very, um, they love their family. They love their mother and they love their father. But in the Bible, it talks about to leave your father and your mother and cleave to your husband and cleave to your wife. And there's a reason for that, because there is a, a um, oh, what do you call it, an organizational chart. There is a level in which you, you um, stand in front of God. For instance, God's first, and then the husband is responsible for his family. And under him is his wife, and then under him is his children. And they're all accountable to the father of the household. So if the father is clinging to something other than with the wife and with God, then there is this problem in the, in the, in the organization of that, of that family. So there's an order. There's an order to things in order for them to work out well. And in unity, there's an order also. I think about my company and I think about trying to get everybody on page for the vision and for all of that to align, for, for our vision, our goals, everything to align. We need to communicate well, and we need to get buy-in. And there needs to be unity. And if there's somebody that's not in unity, they're going to cause strife in the company. There's going to be disorder. So it's really important as a leader of a household or a leader of a business or a leader of a church that there be unity. So we all know what it talks about in the Bible about gossip and how gossip can really mess things up. And if we allow it as leaders, it can really cause havoc to the unity of whatever organization that we're responsible for. So there's this term that's been used a lot in my business world of uh, business meetings and whatnot where uh, leaders will say, you get what you tolerate. So when we complain or we say, this is happening, this is happening, and it repeatedly happens week after week, month after month, what comes to mind in my head and plays over again and again is I'm getting what I'm tolerating. But then there's a right and a wrong way on how we handle things correctly and if, if our goal is to unite, if we want unity in the ranks, then we have to think and pray. Hopefully we're praying first. But we have to think and we have to pray about how we are going to talk, how we're going to address, the timing, the tone. All of those things matter if the goal is unity. And my goal is unity. What's yours? You're listening to The Sue Freeze Show. 
And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for the uh, KDAR, the Word, Venturians, for listening in today, for San Diegans for listening in, Orange County, L.A. Thank you so much for listening to KKLA. And KUHL, and there's many other stations that I'm not going to go into right now, but I just thank you, all of you, for listening to this show. And I would like very much for you to go to Sue Free, spelled like fries, one word, dot com. Go there and check it out. There has been a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and there's a lot of free things in there that you should utilize. Why not? They're free. All it takes is a little bit of time. Maybe push a finger and, and some ink if you want to press out the IMs, which I highly recommend you do. It can be life-changing for you. Okay, so the next one is Romans 6.5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 1 Corinthians 1.10, that is so good. 1 Corinthians 6.17, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Ephesians 5.31, for the reasons a man will leave his father and mother, there it is again, and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I think that's four times different verses, different different books in the Bible. That must be pretty important. I, I did not realize that that was listed so many times in so many different books, Old and New Testament. That's very amazing. Philippians 2.1, imitating Christ's humility in parentheses. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Colossians 2.2, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. United. In the Bible, 12 times. Interesting. So Lydia also took it upon herself to find 12 ways to preserve Christian unity. And so I am going to read this. Now, remember how I said um, that united we stand and divided we fall? We already know that Satan is here to still kill and destroy. So how does he do that? You know, I, I've said before, it's like a slow fade. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that happens over time. A little drip, little drip, little drip, a little thought that we enter in. We, a little thought that we let come in, a little thought, maybe a little longer on the thought. Maybe we act upon the thought, maybe we don't. Maybe we're fighting the thought, but because we're fighting it so much, its attention is, is there instead of on something else, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's of good report. That's what we're supposed to focus on, isn't it? So we need to guard ourselves, don't we? So ask yourself this question right now, because I'm asking myself this question. Is there unity in my family? Is there unity in my company? Is there unity in your company? Is there unity in your church? Is there unity where you are? And then ask yourself, are you part of creating that goal of unity or are you the divisiveness one? Are you the one that's causing strife? Are you the one that's causing this unforgiveness or this, this uneasiness? And if you are that person, no judgment. 
Do you like that? Do you want to be that person? And what are the steps you could make in order to change your projection? What are the things that you can do to change so that the outcome is going to be unity? I don't know where the scripture is, but there's a scripture that says that when you're at the altar, that if there's anyone that has undoing, if there's anything that you have where it's not in unity, that it's not calm and peaceful and loving, that you're supposed to leave your sacrifice at the altar and you're supposed to go and take care of whatever it is that's not right and then come back. So if that's you, that's the message to you is unity. Find unity, make unity, create unity, do whatever you can. You know, we all bleed the same. We might look different. We might sound different. But we all bleed the same. So why? Why are we so in discord? Why? Over what? Over your ways better than my way? I don't know, but I think we need to get it together. And I think time is now. I really think we need to face the facts. 12 ways to preserve Christian unity. Satan hates God, and therefore he hates God's people and the church. His great plan for the church is to cause Christians, true believers, who ought to be together in the gospel, to find ways of disagreeing among themselves, to divide, to be bitter and jealous, and ultimately to bite and devour one another. Doesn't that look like what we see on TV right now? The State of the Union, could you believe that? I mean, that is just so sad. Here are 12 ways that you can repulse Satan's attacks. Do you want to repulse Satan's attacks? Do you? Really? Number one, spend more time considering evidences of grace in other Christians that you do pondering their sins and weaknesses. You as a Christian probably have a much greater ability to see weakness in other believers than to see strength. It is as if you use a magnifying glass when looking for weakness and a telescope when looking for grace. Brooks warns, sin is darkness, grace is light. Sin is hell, grace is heaven. And what madness it is to look more at darkness than at light, more at hell than at heaven, indeed. We can have a very critical spirit, can't we? It just somehow comes so naturally to be critical. It takes a little more effort to show grace. It just does. But what kind of person do you want to be? There's people in my lives that I, that I think about them and, and how I feel when I think about them, and I smile. And then maybe you have that too. Can you think of people right now where you think about them And think about how you feel when you're around them. And it brings warmth and love, kindness, respect, peace. And then you can change that and and think about the people that you feel on guard. You feel unsafe. You feel uneasy. I'm going to tell you right now that I want to be the person That when people think about me, even in my position of leadership and being the boss, but I want to be the one that people think about me and they think, 
warm and fuzzy. And I can't be that always. I can't always do that. But that would be where my heart is. When I walked into the girls that I haven't seen in a week and they're answering phones and taking care of the customers and everything, and I had this big smile and they're saying, how is it, Grandma? And I started telling them about my week and how thankful I was that they were taking care of things so that I could be with my little grandchild. And it was wonderful because they saw a side of me that they don't see very often because I'm usually in get-it-done mode. But we're all human, aren't we? But what kind of person do you want to be when people think about you? Do you want to be the warm and fuzzy or do you want to be the unsafe, un, you know, uneasy? Only you can make that decision for yourself. You have to make that choice for yourself. And then make the changes, adjustments. Sometimes it's small adjustments. Maybe it might be praying more. So number two, consider that spiritual safety comes through spiritual unity. Christians united together are difficult to separate, difficult to break, difficult to pick off and destroy. It is when you isolate yourself by disrupting or denying unity that you are most at risk. This reminds me of the buddy system that I taught my children. And I even remember when I was young, it's like, you know, when you're in a place that you're not comfortable with, you buddy up. You don't go to the bathroom by yourself. You don't walk down the street by yourself, especially in the dark. But buddy up. Let's see, what is it? A house united will not fall, right? So we just need to be thinking about being united. And where there's division, there is havoc. There is discord. Number three, meditate on God's many commands demanding that we love one another. Isn't that where it starts? It starts with loving God first, doesn't it? It starts there because he tells us that. He tells us that. It's in the rule book of life, the Bible. Love thy God. Love him first. Put all your heart, your soul, your mind, your body into loving your heavenly father, putting him first in all things. And then what does he tell you to do second? Love thy neighbor as thyself. And if you do those two commands, just those two, this world could be a better, better place. When I look around, I'm not seeing that. I'm not. Are you? When you feel your heart begin to turn against another Christian, this is the time to turn to the many commands to love one another, commands found in places such as John 15.12, Romans 13.8, Hebrews 13.1, 1 John 4.7, 1 Peter 1.22, and so on. Allow God's word to convict you of love's necessity. I kind of wish I had written those scriptures down for you, but John fifteen twelve, Romans thirteen eight, Hebrews thirteen one, first John four seven, get the podcast, you can push replay. You can go back and write these things down and then look them up. I wish I knew them by heart, but I don't. Number four, spend more time considering areas of agreement than disagreement. The doctrines you share with other true believers are the foundational doctrines. The ones you do not share are necessarily less central to the faith. Acknowledging that you and those with whom you disagree will spend eternity together should encourage you to not allow peripheral doctrines to separate you here on earth. That is such good advice because there's things that really don't sweat the small stuff. There are things that really don't matter between life and death. So this is the first segment of a two-segment show. And so I just wanted to let you know that we will be back with more of the Sue Free Show right after this brief break. 
Hi, this is Sue Freeze, the termite lady from Ecola Termite and Pest Control. And I'm Tyson Freeze, Sue's son, and also work at Ecola. I understand why Ecola is Southern California's number one alternative pest control company. As a child with asthma, my mother made it her number one priority to protect me from harmful chemicals and contaminants. I wrote a book about it called Learning to Breathe, about a love without bounds and a fight I refuse to lose. I'll always be thankful for my mom's love and strength during this struggle, which essentially saved my life. I'm proud knowing my mother and Nicola cares for our customers like my mom cared for me. Now we are offering $100 off any termite work and $50 off pest control for new customers. Just call 877-332-BUGS for details. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. 877-332-BUGS. E.C.O.L.A. Powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. Love you, Mom. Ever put your ear to the wall in your home listening for termites? No, it's not that easy to find them. Hi, this is Sue Freeze of Ecola Termite and Pest Control, but you can call me the Termite Lady. And Tyson Freeze, manager at Ecola. Termites are silent, stealth insects. They eat your home quietly, and during the cold weather, they have all the more reason to take up residence in the walls of your warm home. But we know how to find them and eliminate them with our mother-approved people and pet-friendly solutions, like Electric Gun and our patented Ecola Heat as well as traditional methods, perfect solutions created just for you. Ecola is the best in alternative and traditional termite control. So call us for a free estimate at 877-332-BUGS. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. Ecola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. 877-332-BUGS. You're listening to The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. And here again is Sue Freeze. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me on The Sue Freeze Show. And uh, we're talking about unity. We're talking about unity. The Lord put that on my heart this morning and, and unity. And uh, I went into my office today and I was realizing that there was a lack of unity in my office. And what I mean by that is... You know when you see that something needs to get done, but yet nobody's taking the opportunity to do it. Now, you could say that's lack of servanthood, stewardship, or just a lack of everybody understanding what the goals are and the unity. You like, like, what are the goals and do we have unity and buy-in on the goals? So, you know, my kitchen area that I don't use um, was a mess. And the area where people come and go to come into the, the company and go out... I mean, the, the tile is like an off-white color, but it, you couldn't even see the off-white color because it was so dirty. And I'm like, I've only been gone a week, but I was just like, wow, this place looks a mess. And I happened to have somebody that was coming in to train my employees, and everybody knew that. So I just was a little bit taken back by the fact that because I wasn't there for a week, there was a lack of unity and a lack of servanthood and a lack of just getting things done because I wasn't there. And I'm thinking to myself, what can I do as a leader to get people to look and pay attention and and take care of these things so that, you know, the burden is light? And if every person understands that these are the goals, then the burden would be light if everybody took on a part of this situation. So I just found that there was a lack of unity in my company. And it's not the big stuff. Sometimes it's the little stuff. 
that uh, really gets in, 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 in me. It just uh, bothers me because it's, it's kind of showing something. There's a story being told that's not verbal. It's actions. And actions do speak louder than words, don't they? So five. We're on number five of 12 ways to preserve Christian unity. And we need unity, don't we? More now than ever. There's safety in numbers. We have a much larger voice if we stick together. We need to understand what the goals are. We need to come together. We need to understand positions. And then we need to stand firm on our convictions. Are we doing that? Are we speaking? Are we bold? As Christians, I think we could be a whole lot bolder than we are. Some of you are saying, ouch. And I'm saying, I'm in that too. I, I, I'm included in that. Okay, number five, consider your peaceful God. God is the God of peace. Christ is Prince of Peace, and the Spirit is the Spirit of Peace. Having made peace with God, having bowed before Christ, having been indwelled by the Spirit, whose fruit is love, joy, peace, you now have the ability and ought to have the desire to be at true, deep, and lasting peace with other Christians. Isn't that so true? Number six. Renew in your mind and heart what it means to be at peace with God. Preach the gospel to yourself, because as you consider who you are in light of God's perfect goodness, holiness, and peace, you must soften towards others. Understanding who you are. So, listener, who are you? That is so my message It's who are you and why are you here? Have you ever asked yourself that? Who are you and why are you here? I can remember crying that out to God in seventh grade, two-story house, upper room, crying out to God, who am I, God, and why am I here? It's got to be more than this. Have you ever cried that out to God? And what did he say? Number seven, meditate on the unique relationship between Christians. Psalm 133.1 proclaims that goodness and pleasantness of dwelling together in unity. There are some things in the world that are good, but not pleasant, and others that are pleasant, but not good. But to live in peace is both pleasant and good. Consider what it means to be bound together in God's family with fellow travelers who are on that same pilgrimage to that very same destination. Can you picture that? Do you have a visual on that? I do. Number eight, count the cost of disunity. When relationships break down, disagreement inevitably follows, and every disagreement between Christians is a triumph of Satan. If you descend into disunity, you hand Satan a victory. Maintain peace and deny him the triumph. The IMs that I have on my uh, website, Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, one word, dot com. Go there and download them. There are three pages of IMs. And one of them says, I am victorious. Another one says, and you are a child of God. Another one says that you are, I am, ambassador to Christ. But we are victorious, and we are a child of God, and we are the ambassadors of Christ. 
Do we live that? Do we believe that? And how much life change would it cause if we truly, truly let that sink in? If we truly, truly believed that even in our battles that we're fighting right now, the principalities, darkness, if we believe, which I do, that we are victorious, even in the midst of this battle, we're victorious. And if we truly in, if we just internalize that and realize that, yeah, we're going to go through this fight, but the battle's been won and we have won because God has won and we're in his family. We're his children. It's a wonderful feeling. Number nine, be the first to seek peace and reconciliation. You are a Christian today only because God was the first to seek peace with you. You are now called and equipped to be the first to seek after peace and to attempt to pursue and maintain unity. As you do this, you have the high honor of acting as an imitator of God. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You want to be more like him, don't you? You want to be more like Christ. But he seeks you first, and it's up to you to seek others. Love thy neighbor. How do you do that? Is it by words or by actions? By both. I think about actions of love, of uh, selflessness, people that I know that just go above and beyond in this department and how it makes me feel. When I think about grateful hearts and thinking about thankfulness, and if we truly have that gratefulness in the little things, it changes our attitudes, it changes our behavior towards the bigger things. I am so thankful that I was able to spend that time with my daughter and my son in love. I was so thankful that I got to see that baby girl enter this world. I was so thankful that I wasn't booted out of the labor room because that's a bond that can't be broken. It's an experience that can't be denied. And the miracle that we experience together and the trust and the safety that was experienced in that room is not deniable. And I just felt so blessed and I felt like it was God's way of saying, good job. I trust that you've got her and that you're going to be there with her and you're going to do that. And I just, I, I have to tell you, it was just, I will remember that for forever and a day. To watch my daughter love on this baby girl in the same way that I loved on her when she was born and to tell her, Tiana, you know how you're feeling about your baby girl right now? Understand that's exactly how I felt and how I feel about you right now. And she just started crying. Because there's no way you can experience that unless you've experienced it. The peace of God, the grace that God gives you for anything that you have done, the forgiveness He gives you and wants you to feel and understand is that kind of love. It's that kind of sacrificial love. It's not explainable. You can't really explain it. It just is. 
and it's pretty amazing. And I've experienced both, the love of my mother and my love of my Heavenly Father. And I have to tell you, they're both really wonderful, really wonderful. Number 10, walk and work together with other Christians as far as possible, making the word the only judge of your actions. It is God's loss and your loss, and it is Satan's gain when you will not walk in love with other Christians, when you will not work arm in arm together with those with whom you have so much in common. There is so much more of the Lord's work we can accomplish together than apart. Number 11, judge yourself more than you judge others. That reminds me of when you point your finger, there's three pointed back at you. Isn't that just like that? Is that judge yourself. You can only change yourself. You, you, you need to work on you. You can't work on them. You can't change them. You can't control them. All you can do is work on you. If you were to spend more time considering your own sin and less time considering the sins of others, you would never be so quick to judge and to separate yourself from other true believers. Brooks says there are no souls in the world that are so fearful to judge others as those that do most judge themselves, nor so careful to make a righteous judgment of men or things as those that are most careful to judge themselves. Number 12, pursue Humility. Humility necessarily generates peace among Christians. Humility will prepare you to serve instead of being served, to overlook an offense, to pursue every kind of unity, to see others succeed where you fell, and to respond with joy and grace to every other possible source of disunity. These 12 points are based on Chapter 5 of Thomas Brooks' Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. This article is from that. And so give credit where credit is due. That's where it came from. The Tweetable Puritan. Humility can weep over other men's weaknesses and joy and rejoice over their graces. Humility makes a man richer than other men, and it makes a man judge himself the poorest among men. There are no souls in the world that are so fearful to judge others as those that do most judge themselves. This is the Sue Free Show on KKLA 99.5, also on KPraise and KDAR and KUHL and other stations out there, along with the Internet all over the world. The Sue Free Show is going all over, and it's wonderful. I would love to have you share this show with other people. Please do that and connect with me, would you? I want you to connect with me because I want to get to know what's going on with you. Um, I don't have all the answers, but I do have resources, and I'd love to help you. If you need prayer, let me know. I open mine. I will respond, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, I will continue on this, but I do want to mention about Lunch with Susie's, and I want you to understand that um, they're coming. And you can go to the SueFreeze.com, SueFreeze, spelt like fries, one word, dot com, and find out when the next one is near you. And they are uh, lunches, and they're $25. It includes a meal, and um, they're just so intimate and so fun. So back to this. It is not a base, low thing, but a godlike thing 
though we are wronged by others, yet to be the first in seeking after peace. Would you consider yourself humble? Would you? I think at times I am. I think other times I'm, I'm in fight mode. And sometimes they don't go together. As a leader, we're called to be teachable and we're called to have a spirit of humility. I love it when someone will accept responsibility if they've done something wrong. I admire that. I think it takes strength to say I made a mistake. I really, I really did a stupid thing there. I mean, I don't like the word stupid, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I just, um, I really admire those that will admit when they've done something maybe not as good as they could have, or gosh, I could have done that better, or if I would have done it like this, you know, maybe this would have happened. Those are all good things. It's not bad. And to be teachable is a wonderful thing. I am finding that. For a while there, I was having a difficult time asking advice. I was having a tough time just saying, hey, what would you do in this situation? But I'm finding that there's freedom in asking that question. And it's really wonderful what I what I discover from another person when they give me their input. It, it's like this, I don't know, it's this new world that opens up. It's this relationship that's having a chance to grow because I'm asking a question saying, can you help me with this? It's really amazing how that works. Try it. If you're not humble or if you're not teachable, then maybe you need to just work on that. Make that your number one goal for this day or this week. Ask somebody for advice. Try it. It's pretty amazing. The disagreement of Christians is the devil's triumph. And what a sad thing is this, that Christians should give Satan cause to triumph. Unity is the best bond of safety in every church or any business, for that matter. Personal relationship, too. It is sad to consider that saints should have many eyes to behold one another's infirmities and not one eye to see each other's graces. Again, let's look for the graces. Let's look for the good. Let's be grateful for the little things. Sin is hell. Grace is heaven. What madness it is to look more at hell than heaven. There is nothing that speaks a man to be emptier and void of God, Christ, and grace than self-seeking. Wow, I found that to be very helpful. Very helpful. So if I was going to do a golden nugget on that, I would say in Reader's Digest form that unity, that we each have a responsibility for the unity that surrounds us. You know, are we creating unity in our environment? Are we creating unity in our circle? Are we causing strife? Sometimes we just have to suck it up, buttercup. And I mean that with all sincerity. That sometimes it's in your best interest to give it up and to not be so strong and fighting for something that in the big scheme of things doesn't really matter. You know, as a parent, I used to say, you know, choose your battles, choose your battles, you know, because you can you can fight over the littlest things or you could hold on to the things that are really of real great importance. So, you know, that's a wisdom thing. That's discernment. Maybe it comes with age. I don't know. My daughter's not that old, but she's very discerning. But, you know, counting to 10 is good before you speak. That's a really good one. Before you text and push send. She kind of giggles at me on that one. She probably is laughing at me right now. Um, but, you know, take, take the count to 10 as a parent. When you're mad, count to 10 before you do anything. Just give yourself a chance to breathe. Take a deep breath. 
think about the outcome, and always be thinking about the outcome. Like, what is the goal, the big goal? Not right this minute, but what's the big goal? That's a really big one for parenting. Very big one for parenting. You know, I've been asked to uh, pray at a prayer breakfast in May, and uh, May 7th in Escondido. And uh, I met with the people that are in charge of this event, and there's going to be 400 people at this event, and they wanted me to speak. There was going to be four speakers. And after they uh, interviewed me, it was kind of an interview, I think, and after they interviewed me and asked me specific questions, I got a call two days ago stating that they've decided to only have three speakers because they felt like I needed more time. And I'm like, that's really nice. You know, 15 minutes to longer. Um, I'm used to the hour show, so uh, I thought that was great. And I'm like, but pressure's on now. It's like, ooh, no pressure. I get to talk longer. I've been asked to pray at a prayer breakfast for KKLA two years ago. And it was for business. And I thought it was wonderful for a woman to get up there and pray over businesses. I thought that was really wonderful. And I loved the prayer that the Lord gave me. Uh, I just really thought it was a great prayer. But now they want me to pray over families. And um, I'm the only woman that's going to be up there praying. And I'm burdened by it. I'm burdened by it because, you know, there's going to be people in that room that maybe don't know the Lord or... This might be their only little mustard seed. Um, I know that's in God's hands. I know that's in God's hands, and and God chose me to be this person. But, you know, when you have an opportunity like that, it doesn't come freely, and it comes with, to me, huge responsibility. And the main thing for me is I just want people to be in unity. I really want people to be at peace and to love one another. And uh, if, I, if, if that's what the message is, then that's the message. But ask yourself that question, are you in unity in your marriage? Is there something that you can just pull back a little bit and, and um, choose your battles wisely? With your children, when you're disciplining your children, whatever age they are, and believe me, every age brings on different disciplining, um, controversy, and oh, different issues. You know, taking away the keys to a five-year-old doesn't really work, does it? But if they're 16 and they just got their permit, <laughs> taking their keys away has some, some bite, doesn't it? So you just have to think ahead, parents, about the discipline. What is the worst thing that could happen here and what do you want to do if it does? I used to ask myself that all the time. Okay, in this situation, okay, they're going to be late. They're not going to – they're curfew. They're going to miss their curfew. What's going to be the consequence? And I would think about the consequence before I had to think about the consequence. And if I didn't have to pursue it and I didn't have to empower it, then wonderful. But if I had to, I had it. I was ready and I felt good about it. I had, I'd prayed about it and I felt that it, it matched the crime. You know, the discipline, the consequence matched the offense. And as parents, we do need to think ahead. Same with uh, work. You know, it's kind of parenting in a way. But you have to think about the consequences for people's actions, don't we? So Unity. That's the golden nugget, unity. What are we doing to create unity? And are we looking for the faults in people? Or are we checking ourselves at the door? Are we looking at ourselves and saying, what about my sin? What is it that I'm doing? What can I work on? Lord, please work on me. Psalm 139, I've got it circled in my Bible for my, for my uh, funeral. 
It's it's my favorite. Search me and know me, O oh God. And if there's any evil way, pluck it out. Show it to me so I can help get rid of it. Because isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be getting better every day. How do we do that? We need to assess our situation and say, what can I do better? What can I do better? What can you do better? What can you do better right here, right now, today? And what habit can you get rid of today? If you're going to take one habit away that's not doing you any justice, it's not doing anything positive for you, if you could pick one thing, it's such a good thing to do. And it's not that hard. It really isn't. So, Sarah Young, I'm going to read from this. I am with you. These four words are like a safety net protecting you from falling into despair. Because you are human, you will always have ups and downs in your life experience. But the promise of my presence limits how far down you can go. Sometimes you may feel as if you are in free fall when people or things you had counted on let you down. Yet as soon as you remember that I am with you, your perspective changes radically. Instead of bemoaning your circumstances, you can look to me for help. You recall that not only Am I with you? I'm holding you by your right hand. I guide you with my counsel, and I afterward I will take you into glory. And I have to stop now because I'm out of time. God bless you. Be a blessing today and every day. Bye-bye. Ah, it's that time of the year when bugs multiply like crazy and start looking for a home your home. Ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, and a lot of other creepy crawly critters, even rats and other varmints. It's time to call E. coli termite and pest control services. They offer complete ecological pest control of rodents and insects. E. coli has one-time services, ongoing monthly services, their most popular and economical every-other-month service, and even quarterly service for occasional pest problems. E. coli keeps rats and mice out and eliminates insects in their nests. It's the most effective way, and their termite control is legendary. So call E. coli today for a free estimate of complete pest control at 877-332-BUGS. No more creepy-crawly critters like ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, rats, and other pests. Call them at 877-332-BUGS. 877-332-BUGS. E.C.O.L.A. Powerful pest control services as gentle as a butterfly. Ask about their two-year warranty. Call 877-332-BUGS.